This is the Prophetic Politics Podcast. I'm Nick Rodriguez. I'm Thabiti Anyabuilo. So, Thabiti, this is our first episode of this podcast. So its purpose really is just to answer one question. Why are we here? So to get into that, uh, we're going to start with a more basic question, which is, who are we, who are Nick and Thabiti, and what business do we have hosting a podcast like this? Uh, so, Thabiti, I'm going to start by asking you a few questions, and then you're going to go ahead and turn around and ask me the same questions. Sounds like a plan. All right. So, Pastor T, how did you become a Christian? I became a, pre- a Christian through the preaching of the gospel. I had been for several years a practicing Muslim and um, left Islam and entered in a period of waffling between agnosticism and atheism. And after the miscarriage of our first child, my wife and I were um, both sort of in a depression, really. And I heard on television a preacher preaching verse by verse uh, through Timothy. And the Lord began to draw me by his word. And uh, we, long story short, visited that pastor's church. And that Sunday morning, he preached an an exposition of Exodus 32, where he made the gospel really plain and held out Christ. And in God's kindness, Mm -hmm. my wife and I both became Christians that morning. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Well, and so so you became a Christian. Then how did you become a pastor? Kicking and screaming, Nick. Yeah? Kicking and screaming. I um, That church, when they sort of counseled us through the gospel and walked us through it real slowly, did a really wonderful thing that I wish every church would do. We were visiting that city, and they just really exhorted us and pressed upon us the importance of finding a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church that preached the same gospel we had heard that morning and really committing Mm. ourselves to it. And so we began our Christian lives with this strong exhortation to put the church at the center of our Christian lives. And so we sought to do that. And as we were a part of that church and beginning to grow in our love for God's people, then this, this parallel love began to grow too, this love for teaching God's word and shepherding people until it it grew to be so strong that I thought I no longer wanted to be a college professor teaching psychology and doing research. I no longer wanted to do the work that I was doing uh, for the governor at at that time in North Carolina. I I only wanted to shepherd God's people. And so that's how he grew my love for pastoral ministry was by growing my love for for his people. Great. Awesome. Well, so you mentioned working for the governor. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to the third big question, which is, where did your interest or involvement in politics come from? Uh, see, I should not be on this podcast because I actually hate politics. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just sort of not that dude. And if people have seen something that I've written politically over the last year or two, for example, they will likely have the wrong impression to think that I'm some kind of policy nut or wonk or things of that sort. What I do care about is people. And what I do care about is God's people, is us obeying the Great Commission. So in an interesting sort of way, my interest in politics and public policy comes from Matthew 28, um, 19 to 20, where the Lord tells us to go into the world, make disciples of all nations. And then he says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Now, beneath that umbrella of everything I have commanded comes every aspect of our life, not just what we do on Sunday mornings when we're worshiping, but what we do you know, on Super Tuesday in the voting booth and what we listen to um, Monday to Friday in terms of our news consumption, all of our lives, including our political lives, are meant to be lived under that umbrella of Christ's lordship and as disciples. And so I come to this as someone who's really concerned that we be faithful to our Lord and bear faithful witness as best we're able 
in the political sphere as much as any other sphere. So I'm going to ask you one more question Absolutely. that we didn't plan. Oh, no, just, I'm, I'm, it just makes me think. Um, if So you talked about the last one or two years, right? Given that as the, the reason you get involved in any conversation about politics, what has caused, you think, for you the activity of the last two years? What's kind of compelled you to that? Yeah. If I go back to my years in the Cayman Islands, completely mm-hmm. different political context, con- completely different polity. It's a British overseas territory. And so there's always this conversation about the relationship to the island, to the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an island context that's very diverse, 120 nationalities. So there's always this sort of churn beneath the, 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 the life of the island that has to do with immigration, immigration policy, things of that sort. Um, and so the last two, two years are different for me, not in the sense that now I'm talking about political things when I wasn't. I was in another country talking about political things as an aspect of discipleship. But now coming back to the United States, we land in um, summer 2015. The Ferguson mm-hmm. stuff is going on. Um, fast forward a year later, we see the most unusual presidential election we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going on and all the things that flow out of that. And seeing now being back in the United States, seeing freshly with a perspective that's been aided by being in another country for a while, seeing freshly how those things impact the local church and and real people in the local church, Mm. that's what sort of sparked in me a desire to be faithful as a shepherd and to speak into these things. And that's what's forced me to this position where I've had to reevaluate a sort of long-held principle among many evangelical pastors that, that sort of says we don't do politics. You know, we, we mm. stay away from politics for the sake of the unity of the church. I think these last two years have tested the feasibility of that principle in, in some really significant ways. Mm. Ways that we're hope- hopefully going to get into on this podcast. Amen. We're looking forward to that. So, brother, let me flip the script on you, man. Uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us uh, how you came to be a Christian. Yeah, so uh, it was about, gosh, like it's been 14 years now. Amen. Yeah, Praise amen. God. Praise the Lord. And I was a um, I was a young, ambitious kind of person interested in politics, and I'll say more about that in a second. But um, in college, I think I, well, so I had this overall idea of myself that I'm going to be a public servant, and so my good deeds are going to be, or my religion, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of house of cards came tumbling down when I was in college. Uh, just sort of did some things where I realized, you know, where I sort of thought the end justified the means. Mm. Um, you know, had some sort of embarrassing incidents that occurred. And I think I just realized, oh, yeah, I just rationalize whatever bad behavior I want in the pursuit of kind of my own ambitions. Mm. And I realized that I was, um, I, re- I realized that um, actually, I mean, I was depraved. I didn't have that word for it then, but that was when I realized that my sense of self as a good person wasn't correct. Mm. Then I moved to England for graduate school. So I was in another country, another context, and I was like, okay, what, what, like, I'm, I'm, I'm broken and I'm lost. What do I do? And so, um, thankfully, one of the many things I looked to was to go to church. And so there was a church in the city center of London called All Souls Church, Mm -hmm. um, where I started attending at the recommendation of a friend, Uh, went through an evangelistic Bible study there, Christianity Explored, and that was how I heard the gospel and came to be saved. And I think I was, you know, I was primed to hear it from understanding my own brokenness. That was was how I became a believer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, did that change for you? 
your political views, political aspirations? Um, how did that sort of affect this young political Machiavellian? Oh, yeah. That's right, uh, young man. <laughs> oh, how, how did that affect? You? That's right. I was a bu- I was a budding Karl Rove or something. Um, <laughs> it it absolutely did. Uh, so before that time, I just thought I was gonna you know I was gonna be a politician of some kind. I was gonna be hold elected office, and um, I think that you know I leaned left. Uh, still do. We'll talk more about that later, mm-hmm. right? But I sort of signed on to everything that the sort of Democratic Party of the time signed on to. And um, one one thing I like to say is God brought me to England to make me a Christian, Amen. right? Because Amen. in America, I had this view, I think I still have this view, right? That uh, Christianity is sort of conflated with political conservatism. Mm-hmm. And so I was just never going to, I was never going to sort of hear anything of it. Um, and so then it's, it's 2004, I'm out there and I'm sort of seeing for the first time Christians who don't sort of their main identity as a Christian isn't sort of their politics. Uh, they vote labor, conservative, Lib Dem, whatever the parties are in the UK. Right. And, um, and so I got to hear the gospel shorn of that context Mm. and that was important for Mm. me. And I always remember that when I think about those who lean left in this country who aren't Christians. Mm. And I think about how they might must be seeing and thinking the same thing, more so actually now than for me 14 years ago. Um, so so it, it cha- it, that was one change. A second change was me coming around to certain views, right? For me to say, you know, so abortion really is wrong, isn't it? Amen. Right? And it took that. It was a, it was a bit of a journey, mm-hmm. right? First to believing that abortion was wrong, and secondly to believing that there were public policy implications to believing mm-hmm. that abortion was wrong. Mm-hmm. But time and friends and a number of sort of people who came alongside me helped me see that. I think one of the hardest things you can do in politics is to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have the benefit of having had that happen to me once or twice, and this was one of those cases. Um, same thing with definition of marriage um, and Issues around um, homosexuality similarly had to evolve on those issues. Um, and then I guess the third big change was just understanding understanding that um, that it probably wasn't right for me to go into elective office. Oh, I put that. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, it, so this is not to say, oh, I became a Christian and then I realized it was just a terrible, sinful thing to go be a politician. I, I don't mean that at all. I think I just realized, I think when you become a believer you have a better anthropological sense of yourself Mm. and you start to understand what you're susceptible to and Mm -hmm. what you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think I realized I was too much of a people pleaser to be trusted as kind of that sort of leader. Uh, So I kind of, I gave up that dream sometime while I was in graduate school, Mm -hmm. although I always obviously remained interested and still am today. Amen. Amen. So thank you for sharing that. So I I still, I have another question for you. Okay. Um, what do you do by day? I know you wear an S on your chest at night. You go home and you're with the wife and kids and you're, you're super dad. But uh, what do you do by day? Are you a pastor or are you spending your life elsewhere? So, uh, yeah, I am a management consultant. Right. And my expertise is in helping governments to uh, do their work better. It's mm-hmm. actually a pretty nonpartisan thing. It's just about kind of helping to make government more effective. And then within that, I have several years of background doing education reform. At some point, we'll do an episode on that. We'll and, sort of talk all about it, but yeah. Those, and I'll that's ask all the questions. You'll that's give right. all the answers. <laughs> Something like right. that. Right. Something like that. Right. All right. Well, so with this in mind, uh, Thabiti, let's go ahead and talk about the purpose of the podcast. Uh, when we sat down to plan it, we wrote out a purpose statement, and it had three parts. We said our purpose with this podcast was to do three things. First, 
to glorify God in helping Christians approach politics and public policy from a Christian worldview. Second, to recover the church's independence in American politics. Third, to help a generation of rising Christians approach public politics biblically without relying on the failed models of the past. So, Thabiti, again, same drill. I ask you, then you ask me. Uh, you know, this statement of purpose is itself a bit provocative. Uh, so why, when I brought this harebrained idea to you, <laughs> did you think it was a purpose worth going after? Well, when I first started writing publicly, it was a blog. It was called Pure Church. Um, and that was the little miniature wannabe Puritan in me, uh, wanting to see the church reformed according to the word of God and, and live out the faith faithfully. And uh, that was me speaking into the, into the interwebs, uh, just sort of saying, hey, here's some things I think, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that was 10 plus years ago. Yep. And that desire to see the, the, the church continually reformed by the word of God, that, that hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, and this vision statement is capturing a couple of things that I think are critical for Christians and church leaders to be thinking about nowadays. So when we talk about, for example, that we want to promote in this podcast a, a, a Christian worldview, I actually think we mean something more specific than is typically uh, meant by that phrase. So I often hear people offer um, their political opinions and justify it as the Christian worldview without ever having mm. given a biblical text, without ever having rooted that mm. in something specific, right? And so that phrase, Christian worldview, really is often um, a justification with, without any data beneath it, right? And I think just like our theological commitments, uh, we want our political commitments to be built from the Bible up rather than sort of take a position in the air and then try to somewhere attach it to the Bible. And so when we talk about promoting a Christian worldview in that sense, mm -hmm. I, I hope we're going to be, as best we're able in the constraints of a podcast, biblical and exegetical and, and mining the Bible in that way. And that's important because the second element of the vision statement has to do with disentangling the church and the church's identity uh, from the culture of politics in this country. Mm -hmm. That invariably involves us with our blind spots and entangles us with things that maybe other people see about us that we don't see about ourselves and requires, therefore, that we be having these conversations in community uh, with people who are coming from different vantage points, uh, all with an aim, again, to sort of purify the church, to disentangle the church from the world in that way. And so as harebrained as this is and, and as uh, lofty as this is uh, as a vision, if, if we could do, if we could take a sort of journey in that direction a millimeter, yeah, I think it will be helpful for our own souls and for the church. Yeah, and what about yourself, man? You you're the you're the you're the wordsmith and the architect here. Tell tell us about why you think these are the right things to pursue. Yeah, yeah. Well, so my own biography, which you know is is part of this, just this idea of there was a um, just 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 this idea that there is that kind of entanglement and seeing it, and it almost kept me from becoming a believer mm. fourteen years ago, and I can only imagine how many people it's keeping from becoming believers now. Mm, mm. Right? And I think we, um, we, we ought to give that more weight than we do. We think about what is the witness of the church in politics. Mm. Um, it, so I think, so a couple things, just going down the specific points. So this idea of a Christian worldview, you know, to be, I'd agree with you there. I think there are a lot of people who sort of claim that 
and worldview is often a mask for sort of essentially a type of sort of call it pastiche of Americana cultural conservatism, right. God and country that's right. sort of approach to um, faith. And I think that that's, that can be really, really, um, I think, discouraging mm -hmm. if you think that's what you have to sign up for to sign up for the, the Christian worldview. Amen. Uh, this idea of the church's independence. So it's interesting. Like I think so. So I'll tell another story and you know, obviously the media will be familiar. You'll be familiar with this because you um, in, in a way enabled the story last year. So <laughs> about a year ago when the election was happening, I woke up one day and I thought, ah, oh, someone ought to like tell evangelicals that they're on the wrong side here. This is, this is crazy that they're thinking about kind of going, going for Donald Trump. And I sort of, I think next time I talked to you, I said, Thabiti, I have this idea and I've got these like nine bullet points and what do you think? And Thabiti very kindly said, um, well, write it down and I'll put it on my blog. <laughs> Little did we both know what the result of that would be. And so there's this- I'm, I'm sorry, brother. Let me apologize publicly <laughs> and profusely. No, no, no. Let me apologize, right? Because Thabiti got a lot of flack for putting this blog post of some guy no one had ever heard of onto his blog. And yet that such was your generosity that you did that. And it's funny, I think I had two stages of naivety. Stage one was realizing that pretty much no one was convinced by the argument I made right first time around. Like, and, and to be clear, it was a provocative way of phrasing things. It was, mm. you know, evangelical leaders need to actively tell their flocks to vote for Hillary Clinton. That's about as extreme as you get, right? <laughs> um, and I think, I think that... Uh, so then I thought, okay, let me let me try to write something more nuanced, and that's what I did. I took I, I write slowly, so I took what must have been the next month, and I wrote something sort of under my own name, uh, which was simply a, a bit more biographical. It was my own story, like how can an it was called how can an evangelical Christian vote for a Democrat, and it was just sort of trying to reason through how I don't always come to that conclusion anymore, but how particularly in this election that was the conclusion uh, I had come to, and I thought. Hopefully the tone's a bit more generous. Hopefully it's designed to persuade. Uh, once again, I was probably being naive um, on that. <laughs> and I just, I think I realized, I think that ex the reaction to that exposed for me some of the pathologies that I think are inherent in the church's current approach to politics. Um, I, and, and I think it made me realize how, this goes to that third point about the generation of Christians, there's a whole generation of Christians that have been raised to simply believe that the their political worldview need need merely be the Republican worldview. Mm -hmm. um, the scary thing being that as the Republican view shifts, as it has dramatically in the last two years, their view simply kind of shifts along with it, mm -hmm. right? Unquestioningly. Um, so I, I say with some sorrow, I, you know, you look at the internet comment section on any of these sorts of posts. There's a whole generation of Christians that in a way may be lost to us. Mm. They've been kind of groomed on this idea that this is what I must believe. Um, I must believe, uh, if I'm a believer, right, I must believe that climate change is not real. Mm. I must believe that racism against white people is the bigger problem. Mm. I must believe that nothing could be more important, literally nothing, than stopping abortion right um and we can actually that's a more nuanced thing to get into sure, but like sure. I'm, i must believe that trumps everything else mm -hmm. um and i must i i uh you know i i i must believe uh that I, and literally goes down to things like i must believe that hillary clinton is a criminal mm -hmm. and so on and so forth and so on and so forth at the same time 
I think I realized that yes, there are certain people who we'd probably never convince, but I also realized there's another kind of generation coming up behind that generation. Mm -hmm. And I think many of them are honestly asking the question, I'm pretty sure, I don't know what to believe politically, but I'm pretty sure it's not this. Mm -hmm. But no one's giving them really an alternative, yeah. or at least I'm sorry, few are giving them an alternative. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that excited me was the idea of saying for the, for the younger Christian who is orthodox and conservative in their beliefs, but doesn't want to believe that that must mean they sort of take on the Republican Party platform lock, stock, and barrel. What, what is there for you? And I think that was what excited me most about uh, the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, I, I would ditto that. And, and, and really say, you were describing a, a predominantly white evangelicalism that's mm. hostage to the Republican sort of platform and worldview. Yeah. And, and so at some points, think of those as synonyms, right? Biblical worldview and the Republican platform. And uh, I, I could sort of talk about the other side of the ledger yeah. and talk about African-Americans yep. uh, who are, by and large, African-American Christians, by and large, uh, on the Democratic side of the thing. Yep. And, and sort of have that same um, uncritical um, appropriation of Democratic platforms and politics as the morally right position, the biblical position, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there, too, you have a, a, a hostage taking that's, that's yeah. taken place there. And the interesting thing is when you think about Christian Smith and those guys in Divided by Faith, it's a really helpful section in that book where they talk about how actually we, we speak in terms of the gospel conquering those divisions and bringing people together. Mm. But when you sort of look at the data, black Christians and white Christians are actually further apart on the spectrum than secular black folk and secular white folk. Wow. And, they, and they make the case that actually our, our Christian faith, such as it is, is driving us further apart wow. uh, rather than unifying us. And uh, I think you're right. There are a lot of nomads between those two poles looking for a home and lots of folks in those poles who've not had good thought partners to yeah. sort of think through these things with. Um, and a space like this, a conversation like this, particularly if we can model how to have gracious conversation and how to think carefully through an issue, um, and mm -hmm. how to affirm that other people can have legitimate moral reasons for taking a different position on an issue we're talking about mm -hmm. without sort of condemning them. I think that could be redemptive. I think that could yeah. be uh, healing, and I think it could be instructive. Definitely. You know, I'm reminded of something, Thabiti. Again, last year during the election, you put together a panel just to mm -hmm. talk about some of the issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the B and I are both at Anacostia River Church, um, a church in southeast Washington, D.C. Um, our church membership is what percent, would you say, African-American? 65%, maybe. Yeah, 65%. About, yeah, about two-thirds. Mm. Uh, we are, you know, uh, we have conservative Reformed theology at our church. And one thing I was struck by was there was a panel, and there was one Hillary Clinton voter, one Actually, no Trump voters, one sort of very conservative person, and then two or three people who just didn't know what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and, and two of those folks were, just to be clear, were, would describe themselves as sort of from the cradle Republicans at the time mm -hmm. and just sort of struggling with the Republican option in, yep. in that regard. Yeah. And I think it, it, what just struck me about that was I'm not sure there are that many kind of, not to toot our own horn, right? Mm -hmm. so this is like a metric of success, but... I'm not sure there are that many churches in America where you'd assemble a cross-sectional panel on that and you would find such uncertainty or open questioning. And yet, I would actually argue 
that is the correct posture of the Christian today. Mm, amen. Right? Sort mm. of struggling with this question every time of who will I vote for? Mm -hmm. What position will I support? Because it is an honestly difficult question in the current environment. That's good, Nick. That, that should be the normal, that sort of struggling through and freshly applying the word um, to this, this question every election. And, you know, it's interesting you point back to that panel. It, I, I remember it being a wonderful panel and, and a wonderful discussion, a lot of humility on display and a lot of honest wrangling. Um, and, and yet it's not like we didn't pay a cost as a church for doing that. Mm. I mean, we, we had folks who were further unsettled and mm. uh, who struggled by our having the conversation and, and thought that having the conversation was dangerous. Um, that's how far I think we've gotten from actually talking to each other civilly yeah. uh, about, about this particular subject. And if we can't model that in the church and learn to do that in the church, I have very little hope that we would ever learn to do that in the world. Yeah. So that brings us uh, to the last thing we want to talk about today, which is what should our listeners, if there are any of you out there, expect from a podcast like this? Um, Demita, you've been a voice that people have heard commenting on this stuff on and off over the years, as, as we've just described. Um, you know, if people do decide to listen to this podcast, what would you hope for them to get out of it? And what would you hope for them to expect from us? Well, I hope they wouldn't trust us, but trust the word of God yeah. and, um, and, and follow us only as so far as we're able to point them to the word of God and, um, a, a, a more fundamental truth in the word than anything that we would say. I hope, as I was saying a moment ago, that people would maybe pick up as a result of listening some ability, some skill, some willingness to risk talking, um, mm. particularly with people who don't agree with you and doing so in a healthy way. Um, I do hope that at some points where the scripture is compelling, uh, people would be helped to change their mind about places where they were wrong. And I hope they mm. would see us model that. Uh, just as you did so well a moment ago, talking about your own mm. pilgrimage after coming to Christ and having to rethink some deeply held views. Um, so I hope I hope people will grow with us as we grow and, and be encouraged in that journey. Yeah. Amen. So, Nick, what do you hope people get from this podcast? Yeah. So a couple things, and I, I, this is where I'm going to say a couple of the things that we sort of wrote out ahead of time about what we're hoping for. So there are a couple of principles that we hope to adhere to. Uh, which our listeners should hold us accountable for. The first one's the one you already talked about, uh, Thabiti, which is approach every issue biblically first, mm -hmm. and let us lead. Let that lead us to wherever the Bible takes us. Um, secondly, uh, be prophets, not players. So I, all I mean by that, and you think of the title of this podcast, uh, we think the right role of the church almost always is to sort of be prophetic, right? To rather than being you know a sort of a servant of Rome. Uh, to be, you know, Jeremiah, you know, in the wilderness, calling, uh, saying, this is, you know, this is where, this is where we think you're doing things right. This is where we think you're doing things wrong and having the freedom to do that. Um, thirdly, kind of support positions, not people. So mm -hmm. this is, let, you're rarely, I think, going to hear us say, oh, such, so-and-so is such a great leader or politician. You should vote for that person. Uh, maybe on occasion, rarely, but it's more like, I agree with them on this. I disagree with them on that. We hope that the tone we're going to take has less to do with a kind of cult of personality around one leader or another um, and more about, well, what do they really say? Um, and uh, obviously with that, never identify with kind of one party or the other, even though, you know, I'll try to be transparent about where I lean, for example. I already was. Um, 
but I think, but I think even under those circumstances, you know, I'm at a point where I feel politically homeless today. Um, and I think that's the right place to be right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, you're not going to hear me talking about how it's, you know, it's so, you know, we're looking for the Democrats to do really well in the coming election or whatever it is. Um, cause that's not really what we're here for. Um, and I think the last thing I'd say on this is trust God's sovereignty with the consequences. So I think when you choose to be prophetic, you open yourself up to a critique from sort of a, the perspective of, call it the sort of professional movement Christian conservative, a person who's chosen to go, and, and for good reasons, I'm sure, mm -hmm. chosen to work in the conservative movement somewhere, for example, mm -hmm. right? That person might tell you, if you're not doing everything you possibly can to sort of maximize electoral advantage for the sake of this outcome or that outcome, then... I'm not sure they'd tell you you're in sin, but they might imply it, right? Um, so they might say, well, Nick, you know, you, you, you're, you're endorsing. So you might say, hey, Nick, you're endorsing, say, Donald Trump's pro-life stance, mm -hmm. but you can't endorse the man himself. But don't you realize that by endorsing the man himself, you might sort of advance the cause a little farther? Mm -hmm. And I might say, that is um, not worth the cost, mm -hmm right to be mm. associated with everything else about the man because i've because i've endorsed him rather than his position mm -hmm. right uh and they might say well doesn't that mean one less supreme court seat or one less kind of chance of something happening and that's what i mean when i say trust god's sovereignty with the consequences the whole point of a christian being active in politics is not to win endlessly mm -hmm. right uh this side of heaven we are not promised that mm. and so it's for us to be prophetic, to try to be effective, and and then ultimately to trust God with the consequences. And if 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 a political outcome doesn't go quote unquote our way, it's not the end of the world. By the way, that is one strain of sort of Christian commentary that particularly gets under my skin. Mm -hmm. There's this sense of sort of we are entitled to certain consequences in the political arena, um, when in fact we are we should expect nothing, mm -hmm. right? We should expect literally nothing um, from the state. It is a generous great mercy of god every time something breaks our way in terms of the way a secular government you know makes its decisions and we should keep that perspective well truthfully nick it's a it's a great generous mercy of god that we actually get to participate in yes electoral politics and and democracy most christians around the world yep. actually do not have anything resembling the kind of rights that we too often take for granted in this country. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I think just maintaining that perspective is important, mm -hmm. right? And as we're going to talk about on our next episode, right, a democratic form of government isn't even something that we are, well, it's certainly not something we're promised. Mm -hmm. It's not even something that is sort of an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's a great blessing, but mm -hmm. that's what it is. Um, okay, so a couple other notes on sort of format. Uh, here's generally what we hope to do in each episode. We're, we're actually not. We're, so there are a lot of other really good podcasts trying to do things similar to what we're doing in terms of this general thrust of Christian independence. Um, we're not trying to do the same thing as any of them are trying to do. We love them all and look forward to hopefully, you know, kind of interacting with them as we do this work. What makes us, I think, different is we're hoping not to be reacting to the events of the day for the most part. Um, we're not going to be talking about, oh, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what Trump said about this or whatever else? Tempting as that may sometimes be. Um, what we're going to do is try to literally just go issue by issue and just sort of in an evergreen sort of way say, well, what should a Christian believe about? I mean, name your issue, taxes, mm. um, the military, immigration. The idea being that, I go back to my earlier point, we, we believe, and this will be, be provocative to some, for a generation of us, 
our kind of muscles for thinking about public policy have atrophied as we have outsourced that job to the Republican Party in some cases or the Democratic Party in others. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, this is a basic sort of sense of how do we think for ourselves about each of these issues. And so what we'll do is we'll pick that issue. We will literally try to do a bit of explainer sort of ism stuff on it. Uh, whoever of us is more qualified, which might sometimes be just drawing straws, will kind of explain <laughs> a bit right. about like what exactly is, you know, what are taxes and how do they work and so on and so forth. And why are they, con why is it a contested question in politics at all? Mm -hmm. We'll try to lay that foundation. Um, we'll then try to talk about the differing perspectives and we will make the best faith argument we can for each of those differing perspectives. Um, We'll talk about why it, the issue poses a difficult question for Christians. Why should the Christian worry about this, care about this, etc.? Then we'll uh, this. The uh, BD won't have to do all the heavy lifting on this, but I will. I will lean on him uh, in terms of what does the Bible tell us, right? And I think what we'll find is sometimes it gives very clear guidance and prescribes certain things. Sometimes it gives us a lot of freedom. Mm. Um, and sort of knowing the difference between the two is going to be really, really important and knowing how to reason from biblical principles on these issues. Then we'll try to get practical and we'll say, well, if, if you know, what would we do if we were sort of a legislator or an executive? What would we what would how would I take those principles and apply them, which isn't meant to be a sort of you must believe this, too. But where do we land and why, essentially? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we're going to do, we're going to bring in uh, two characters that are going to be sort of common foils for us uh, in this one of that we we've sort of made reference to both of them one of them is the so-called republican evangelical the person who has sort of been raised in that generation outsourced kind of most of their ideology to the republican party and has thought okay this is this is to be a christian is to believe all these things and to say what do they usually say how might they sometimes mismanage that issue what might be why might there be good reasons to agree with what they say or why might you decide not to agree with what they say and the other foil um, is the secular progressive the person who sort of is the antithesis or reaction against all of that. My old friends, uh, mm -hmm. before I became a believer, um, who would say, and how do they mismanage the issue? How do they get it wrong? Um, and uh, from that, to hopefully leave you, uh, the listener, with uh, you know, some tools for thinking about uh, kind of how, how do, where do I want to land on this issue and why? Yeah. So that's what we hope for you uh, to get. And as you said, Thabiti, I think I would hope that people would come with an open mind and think about how that mind might be changed in one direction or the other uh, by what we do here. Amen. Which includes, I, I, I think, one of the things I want to clarify about what you're saying in terms of the, the two people we imagine to be having this conversation with um, is we're not trying to just sort of slide into always advocating that the middle yeah, is, that's right. is right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is not an exercise in just sort of trying to uh, pillory straw man on the, on the far yeah. left and far right and just sort of say some nebulous middle is the right. Sometimes we'll, we'll be on the right. Sometimes we'll be on the quote-unquote left. Sometimes we'll be in the middle. All the time, we hope to be biblical. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I think that's it's, it's definitely true. Kind of try to give a range of perspectives and try to say, well, where do we think we should land? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and we'll also try to be clear about where we'd say, we've landed here, but you don't have to. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, that's right. And, and, and other things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I think that's enough for our first episode. Yeah, um, man, this is going to be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what the Lord does, and always we should uh, look forward to those things with prayer. So let me offer a quick prayer, and then we'll head out. Absolutely. Father, we thank you that um, we don't know what we're doing, but you do. You do all things well. You know the end from the beginning. 
you sit in heaven enthroned and you do whatever you please and uh, what you please to do, Lord. Give us hearts to trust it, to see its goodness, uh, to worship you because of it. And uh, in the meantime, Lord, give us wisdom to walk faithfully with you, to make clear the truth of your word, uh, to bear clear and faithful witness in mm -hmm. areas as messy as our politics, and to learn how to talk, O oh Lord, in a way that pleases you and ministers grace to our hearers, even about things that many of us has been told we should never talk about, like religion and politics. Well, we want to talk about both those things, uh, even in one podcast, and we want to do it effectively. So that means we need you. We need your blessing. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need you to bless any hearers uh, who tune in, that they might hear well and think well and only do what's pleasing in your sight. This is our great desire. Bless us with it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah.